This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi there and welcome to the return of Total Saints podcast after the recent international break and an inconveniently placed Monday night game against Brighton. It's been a couple of weeks since we produced the podcast, so don't worry if you thought you may have missed one, you haven't. Now before we break off, I'd put a call out for any feedback and or ideas on how we can continue to make the pod as positive as we believe it has been so far. We're really grateful to receive some messages from places such as Los Angeles, London and Lexington in Kentucky in the USA. One of the pieces of feedback was that with TSP now well established, we stop with the introductions each week, as everyone who listens should know who we are by now and because it sounds all rather formal. Fair point and certainly taken on board so for the last time and only because we've had the break and may have picked up one or two new listeners I guess during that period I'm Ben Stanfield host of TSP at Ben Stanners on Twitter the other two regulars that join me are Adam Leach chief sports writer at the Daily Echo at Adam Leach Sport Steve Grant owner of saintsweb.co.uk at Steve Grant 1983 the podcast is a dedicated weekly look at all things Saints FC and always we try with a level head and generally a glass half full approach but adds as was tested again this week week with Brighton and Liverpool easier said than done sometimes oh they like to test you don't they the Saints that's for sure (laughs) yeah if there's one thing we've got used to down the years it's having patience and optimism tested isn't it let's let's be honest so yeah a a rather typical Saints-like week and Steve um, you'd be making the most of it by drowning your sorrow so you're probably in better spirits than Adam and I well I had plenty of spirits in me Um, that's, (laughs) that's that's for sure last night but um it's just Groundhog Day, isn't it? It's mm. tedious and nobody seems to be learning anything. Nobody seems to know what they're trying to do to put things right and to um, and to sort of get us out of this, this sort of rut that we seem to be almost sort of semi-permanently stuck in now. Mm. Quite where we go from here, other than to Wolverhampton next Saturday, is 
kind of anyone's guess, I think. The next word I have written down in my notes after your comment was excellent, but I'm not sure if that's the right word now, but uh, there we go. No, you're quite right. Um, as per normal, we're uh, a podcast that tends to focus 100% on the here and now, so we'll be discussing the Brighton and Liverpool games, look ahead to the Wolves game, as Steve just mentioned there, and everything in between. Um, we're going to try and be positive, I promise. That was some more feedback. Uh, even after the Crystal Palace game, apparently we sounded a little negative, so we will try and be positive, although, as Adam and Steve have both said, it's easier said than done when uh, Saints play like they do at the moment. But there we go. This is Total Saints Podcast episode 45 and we're proudly sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk happyhottubs.co.uk at happy hot tubs we specialize in hot tubs it's all we've done for 35 years so if you're thinking about a hot tub and want to speak to someone then we're the place for honest clear and friendly advice plus right now we have zero percent available on our hot tubs meaning you can spread the cost in easy payments you deserve happy. Come and get it at Happy Hot Tubs. Conditions apply. Visit happyhottubs.co.uk. Happyhottubs.co.uk. 0% excludes free throw range. Saints returned to Premier League action last Monday evening in an all-too-familiar style, throwing away yet another lead to only draw 2-2 with a pretty average and lacklustre Brighton side. That was then followed up somewhat unsurprisingly with a 3-0 defeat at Anfield against Liverpool. Adam, starting with Brighton and the most significant part of the evening, um, the pre-match light show. I was keen to get your thoughts on that because uh, you, you certainly were quick to tweet about it. It was quite staggering. <laughs> staggering or bad staggering? Just uh, utterly bizarre staggering, really. I mean, I, I, I don't know whether they've decided that due to the, the dropping attendances, they need to, to offer something other than the football that people don't seem to be enjoying as much in recent years. And so they've decided they're going to pump things up a bit. But it, it was just... It just felt a bit surreal. I, to be honest, it was quite good fun. I don't, nothing against it. It was uh, it was quite entertaining. But it's just it was almost just where did this come from? Who mm. thought who thought this up? It was very very odd. We'll have to try and find out who it was. But uh, there we go, Steve. You quite enjoyed it, didn't you as well? I was pleasantly surprised. I think by the by the reaction to it. I think a lot of Saints fans are very cynical about this sort of thing. Um, myself very much included. But. At the end of the day, Monday night games are always a little bit, always a little bit strange atmosphere-wise. Mm. And um, I mean, to be fair, it, it got it got people going, and and the atmosphere in the first half, especially, was pretty good. Whether it's as a direct result or um, of that, or whether it's just because well the team actually turned up in the first half on Monday night, then um, not quite sure. But I thought it was relatively positive, and I mean, at the end of the day, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen very often that they're going to be able to do this sort of thing anyway because with the number of night matches we get is pretty minimal mm, yeah and that Blake's dancing was quite interesting as well I'm sure we've all oh, seen God. that with the video yeah. haven't we so yeah that's something else to uh, lighten up the crowd but I mean look if that lit up uh, pre-match Adam then it's fair to say Pierre's 34.9 yard I think it was um, rocket I think we can probably call it that a bit I, I think I called him uh, Kuko Emil Hoiberg but uh, it was uh, pretty much the same distance but what a goal and for him at that point that was two and two games a bit like London buses yeah, fantastic strike, wasn't it? It was quite, it was quite remarkable, really. Um, and it did, as you rightly said, it did have those hallmarks of of Cuco Martino, and we've all been imploring Saints to find a way to get some goals from midfield, mm. and and there he is popping up with two and two. And if only he, uh, you know, he could volley as well, it would have been three and three at Anfield yesterday because he had an absolutely great chance, really. But I, I mean, it's, that that's positive, isn't it? We were trying to find positives in in amongst it all and and definitely getting some goals from midfield something we've long since bemoaned the lack of 
uh, goals from pretty much every area of the team other than the one or two people who, who generally contribute at the top end of the pitch. So, yeah, good on him. And also, um, I think there's been a, a consensus amongst some of the people I talk to that Saints are actually part of their goal scoring problem is that sometimes they, they don't take enough risks at taking shots from a, from a bit more range when they get an opportunity. And yeah. so maybe this will encourage them to do just that. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, from a confidence point of view, I think fans are quite kicked to get on their back sometimes if they do take a shot and it goes wayward, aren't they? But uh, I guess a little bit like Leicester, Steve, another game where Saints played really, really well for sort of two thirds of the game overall, but ultimately come away with just very little in the end of solitary points. So frustrating, really, considering the performance that was there again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, particularly given how absolutely woeful Brighton were in the first half. Mm. I mean, I said to a couple of the guys at half time that surely Brighton can't be that bad again mm. um, in the second half. And I mean, obviously they weren't. But the problem was that our level dropped. Yeah. I don't think it was necessarily that Brighton were any good. It was that we dropped off and, and let them play the way they did. And there is something psychological within that squad at the moment that no lead is insurmountable for yeah. for an opponent. And it's... Oh, it's concerning. I mean, you think, what was it, 28 points dropped from winning positions in the last 18 months or, so, or something like that? Exactly. It's already five this season, isn't it? Five dropped from winning positions, none gained from losing positions. So I think that's uh, already starting to be a continuation of the worry we've had, as you say, for a while. Yeah, and in, in injury time as well. Um, goal ship late in games as well. So it's not, not even that we're dropping points sort of at the start of the second half or something like that when we've led, in, we've led at half time. Mm. It's we're chucking these points away in stoppage time when the bulk of the hard work has been done. Yeah. I mean, like the Brighton game, we'd, we'd largely kind of weathered the storm, I think, for, for the most part, um, having given that, given away that infuriating first goal immediately after going 2-0 up. Mm. And then for the last 10 minutes or so, I didn't think we were under an awful lot of pressure. And then all of a sudden, we'd give away a dopey penalty, which, I mean, a lot of people have said, have said it's soft and they didn't think it was a, a foul but if that had been us at the other end we'd have been absolutely screaming for it so yeah, I don't see yeah, yeah. I don't see how anybody can particularly complain about it I mean one thing we've got to touch on again is just the the organization at the back because you've got James Ward-Prowse marking Shane Duffy yeah. who is I mean if you line Brighton's players up in a line and you ask someone who knows nothing about football which player is going to give you the biggest threat from a set-piece situation Shane Duffy is the obvious answer. Mm. And I don't know whether it was just because Ward-Prowse replaced Shane Long and Ward-Prowse automatically took up um, Long's defensive sort of marking assignment. But, I mean, that's that's just nonsense. Mm. I mean, that is absolute schoolboy stuff. You get your best players in the air to mark their best players in the air. It's not difficult. No, no. And yet we seem to be making it very difficult for ourselves. Yeah. And, and just briefly on the penalties, I mean, I, I think my view was, again, without rose-tinted glasses on, I thought they were probably both penalties. I mean, War Prowse's was soft, but he pushed him in the back. Duffy's always going to make a meal of it. The referee's always going to look to try and even it up, isn't he? So I think probably got them both right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you can you can always tell, and obviously I was down the other end for uh, for the one that, that we were given, but yeah. you can you can always get a good impression of how clear cut a penalty decision is when not a single player from the from the team that's just conceded it is uh, complaining to the referee. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, for our one, obviously it's a lot more contentious, particularly given the timing of it. Mm. But 
No, I mean, I, I don't think we can complain at all, really. No. Steve's just covered off a, a couple of points there I wanted to address to you as well, Adam. Um, starting, I guess, with the conceding the goals again. We'll obviously move on to talk about Liverpool in a minute, but straight away, like we did against Leicester, we let them score, having taken the lead. We've done the same with Brighton, conceded the goal that free kick that's come into, what, about four yards out, the keeper's rooted to his line. I mean, it's just, again, concentration, isn't it, after scoring, that we'll revert back to mentality, which is something else I want to talk to you about in a minute. Yeah, I think that's just, that's mental strength, it's mental discipline, it's that thing that we've talked about so often, it's leadership, it's having those people on the pitch that really kind of grab everybody by the scruff of the neck in those moments, and, and especially if they they feel like they're particularly vital moments to try and make sure that everybody's switched on. And um, with regards to the, uh, the marking... We could have the debate all night as to whether you should go zonal or man-to-man. Saints are zonal under Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes has long since been a proponent of zonal marking everywhere he's been. And they're conceding goals from set pieces. So inevitably, Mm. people are going to say, well, why are you doing zonal marking? Because, of course, the answer to James Ward-Prowse and Duffy is that James Ward-Prowse wasn't marking Duffy. It's just that the zonal system failed and he kind of found himself chasing him across the penalty area effectively a bit like the the first goal against Brighton the the Matip header uh, for Liverpool that that the system has failed on those occasions or or rather uh, the system hasn't failed the players within it have failed to Mm. do it properly in the same way as man to man you can fail to pick up your man as well so I mean that's that's a debate I think that's probably going to be hotting up around Saints as to whether they should play zonal or they should play man-to-man but as I said Hughes has uh, played zonal um, Hughes's teams have been good from set pieces down the years both defensively and in the attacking sense so I think we're, we're going to see him stick with it I'd imagine. Steve's right though isn't he I mean I, I think sorry Steve I, I was just going to say I mean I think my view is it's fine doing zonal if that's what you want to do but you need leaders in there you need organisers otherwise you just as we saw yesterday on that first Liverpool goal which will again sorry the second Liverpool goal that we'll get to in a minute I mean you've got six defenders marking no one the guy has a free run in the head and again we will talk about Liverpool in a minute but my point is you need leaders and organisation if you're going to do zonal otherwise you've just got headless chickens running around yeah definitely personally I don't see why any team really goes for either man marking or zonal sort of in isolation surely the the most logical way and sensible way to to defend set pieces is a is a mixture of the two Mm. so you you go man to man on on key threats and then everybody else is marking areas so Mm. that that's the that's your zonal coverage but you're the key threats from the opposition you focus individuals on those. And yet there seems to be not even a hint that we might even try and do that. And the other thing I just wanted to touch on, Adam, was, as Steve mentioned there, late goals. I mean, if you add in the Man City game at the last final day of last season, I appreciate there wasn't much to play for that day, but that's now three of our last four home games where we've let in goals on the 90th minute or later. You know, most of those games have cost us points. And I guess as a fan, it's that frustration that we're we're not learning from our mistakes. We don't see games out. You, you, you know, I, I mean, I messaged both of you pretty much as soon as I sent the message, Brighton score, but I messaged both of you through our, our little group on Twitter to say I don't even feel comfortable at 2-0 against Brighton which is you know you can feel that atmosphere in the ground as well that no one feels comfortable even when they go two goals up now it's just that worry that they won't see games out I mean I brought it up with Mark Hughes after the game again actually and I said to him that we kind of asked what he thought and and just made the point to him that this is not a new problem obviously we've seen this for at least 18 months that this has been 
a significant issue and and uh, he said oh I, d- I don't think it's uh, a mental problem I did sense maybe it was but I don't think it is I think this is just kind of a bit of misfortune as it were or, or whatever but the problem is it's like a lot of these things at the moment you can talk about each game individually we could t- go through every goal that they've conceded late and we could p- perhaps come up with a a reason as to why it was unfortunate or so, et cetera, et cetera, for, for a great many of them, I'm sure. But the problem is when you get a general trend and, you know, these, these stats, I don't get too hit up on stats, but, but there's so many stats that are just so poor for Saints at the moment that, mm. that, you know, we, we, you were talking about the points drop from winning positions. We're looking at, at that. We're looking at the one win in 14 at home in the league. You're looking at having beaten a top six team in 25 attempts. I mean, it is just one. I mean, it's a, obviously it's a reflection of, of where they are because there's not been a good time recently at Southampton Football Club, but it just feels like all these stats are, you know, they're just, racking up and racking up and and it puts more and more pressure onto the players who uh who have played in these games and that they seem to struggle even more because of that because of course all these things are in their minds as well of course they are. you'd have to be uh crazy to think that the players weren't thinking about this as the game wears to a close oh goodness i hope we don't do it again mm. or you know before we go out of Liverpool oh, well this is going to be difficult we always lose to these teams yeah. or can, can we actually defend this league you know we've got a league can we defend these are all the, the you know they all become like slightly self-fulfilling prophecies in a way mm. and I, I think that the problem is Mark Hughes is trying to do the best he can and I understand why he's you know maybe he genuinely believes it or maybe he's trying to deflect it a little bit I don't know to try and you know not not have the confidence knocked still further, but it we just go, you know, kind of come back. Like Steve said, uh, you know, I was thinking about this whole thing earlier and it does just feel like we are stuck in a sort of a groundhog day situation yeah. like Bill Murray. And it just seems to be happening again and again and again. And, and the thing is, you know, even with Hughes, it's like the, the point I made was that this has happened over a long time. Nobody's blaming you for this, really. And this is not people aren't saying this is your fault because we don't believe it is your fault. But how do you end these trends? And the truth is, it's very, very difficult because once it's in people's heads and again, virtually the same group of players as last season, what do you do? I mean, if you, if you're going to keep that squad together, you know, the, the new manager is not going to be, whoever he is, is not going to be a miracle worker and just be able to change everybody's mindsets. And I think this is the sort of difficult position they've got in and positive part of you is always trying to say, well, look, results change everything. They change mindset, they mm. change the momentum, but the problem is they just can't get these results. And, and then what do you do? Because you just, you know, it's like a chicken and egg thing. And that's the difficult situation that the team have found themselves in now, I think. i got to say, I find it very challenging trying to do my uh, podcast notes every week. But I generally find myself just rewording the questions from the previous week. But uh, there we go. Look, I don't, I don't want to make a, a massive mountain out of a molehill if it isn't the case, Adam. But to your knowledge, do the club have a, a sort of psychologist in and around the, the first eleven, or in and around the senior squad or not? To be honest with you, I don't actually know the answer to that question. No. I mean, I would, my guess would be, I assume so, mm. because I mean, they, they they invest in in every single area going really. Yeah. Uh, so I would assume so. It's not. I must admit that's not a question I've asked. And I think, to be honest, uh, even with sports psychologists, they they can do a good job. But the, the problem is that they can work with individuals, and but this is a real collective problem. And I think this is, I understand why. Saints have kind of sought to try and think that they could sort this out purely by a managerial appointment. Yeah. Um, but from what I've seen 
in the years past when this has happened before at Saints, the only way that this has changed is to change the players. Mm. Uh, and that, that is a difficult, hard and very expensive process to go through. But quite often it just gets to that point that that, that is the, actually, uh, the, as far as I've seen, that has been the only way to change it. Yeah, yeah, no, interesting. Because I, I, I guess I was thinking, there's only so many hours of the day you can spend on the training ground, can't you? If the main issue being the, the sort of little space between the ears. But uh, there we go. As you say, I think it's uh, it's um, obviously something that's only going to come with results. But moving on to Liverpool, then maybe a, a result that uh, many of us uh, sadly expected. But as you mentioned earlier, Adam, 25 games now against the the top six where we failed to to win. Um, not necessarily surprising when you defend like we did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, a, a frustrating, really frustrating game uh, in so many ways because you go up there and, and when the team sheet came out and I saw Firmino, Mane, Salah and Shakiri, mm. <laughs> you're thinking, oh, this is going to be a hard afternoon anyway. Uh, and then when you actually go and you make things even harder for yourselves by conceding goals that, the way they did. Yep absolute comedy of the first goal a bit unlucky but a comedy goal to concede second goal set piece uh you know it's just and then the, the third goal the way what happened the timing of it the fact that Salah was the obviously the only one who really reacted quickly and, and no, no Saints player did but if you go there and these guys are so good that they just you know they just play through you and you mm. can't you just can't touch them you go, OK, fine, We're, they're just way too good. But then to concede goals in that way just adds to the frustration, I think. And and what's annoying from Saints' point of view is is that those areas aside, they, they were competitive in the first half. You know, they were actually, um, especially down the right-hand side, Cedric and, and Nathan Redmond, they, they did create a bit. I mean, Firmino was playing out on that wing, but as you can imagine, didn't have a great deal of interest in providing a lot of a defensive cover. Yeah. And so Saints were were getting a lot of joy down that wing, and that was a real positive to take uh, from the game, that that, that was something that worked. Uh, combining Cedric and, and Redmond as another option for them down the right-hand side. But ultimately, I, I think the thing from Saints' point of view is that they have to just try what as, as frustrating as those individual goals were to concede and say okay fine Liverpool great team who's going to get points at Anfield this season very very few teams okay let's move on I think that the much more worrying situation would be if if we're talking this time next week and we've seen an average performance and a bad result at Wolves mm. I think at that point you start to go, okay, the sort of, we've had this early period of the season. We can kind of excuse Liverpool as well. I think after that, things are looking grim this time next week. Then I, I guess we maybe begin to start to get a little bit concerned. But I think from the Liverpool game, we, I think you just need to take a few lessons and, and just dust yourself down and go again. Because I've said it before, I said it again, these are not the games really that are going to decide how well Saints do. They're not competing for the top six. So most teams are going to lose. Look at Newcastle. Apparently a dreadful start to the season. Well, they've played four of the top six already mm -hmm. in their six games. So, I mean, they've, they've only got to play, what, eight more matches in the next 32 against the top six now. So, you know, their season surely is going to get better. So you have to take it in 
in context as to, for, for what it is really I think yeah and uh, we've already mentioned uh, Groundhog Day and Bill Murray once Steve but last season Pellegrino got a bashing for a pretty pathetic first half at Liverpool we were 3-0 down at half time second half they sort of played pretty much a training game so very much Groundhog Day deja vu whatever you want to call it again yesterday yeah and I tip my hat to the 15 1600 or so who um traipsed their way uh, all the way up there yes- um, yesterday Absolutely. because yep. I mean there was no way that I was going to put myself through um through that nonsense because nope. it was I mean let's let's face it it was all so utterly predictable mm, mm, um I, I mean I, th- I think on our our predictions I think we all I and mean, we all went for very comfortable defeats didn't we, we so did. yeah we did um when you're in that situation and games do feel as if they're kind of scripted really you know exactly how it's going to pan out you know who's going to be responsible um for the screw-ups and you kind of got a pretty good idea of um of how they're going to screw up as well and it's like well kind of what's the point and I, I was scratching around for positives, Adam, but I found one, which is from the same six fixtures last season as we've had this season. If you swap the Burnley um, draw at home with the Everton draw away last season and the Everton defeat this season with the Burnley at home uh, defeat last season, we've actually got the same amount of points, five out of those six games. So we're, we're no worse off than last season. Great. <laughs> <laughs> would be there you go well I was trying I was trying to be positive as per the feedback so yeah, yeah. well okay that is that is straw clutching that. I mean I, I think my positive was was hopefully better <laughs> <laughs> um, but on a serious note I mean that's 13 points out of 42 under Mark Hughes now I'm not saying he's solely to blame but it's not exactly uh, inspiring confidence is it I'll be honest I felt a little bit sorry for him going into this game and this weekend because I just felt he, he going somewhere like that. He was in a total damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, and and obviously he they they lost. Of course they lost uh, some comedy goals when when he was some poor defending, and then second half damage limitation as as he said, and he got hammered for you know by some fans for saying that because you know. But but what are you going to do if you're him, especially without Danny Ings? What are you going to do? You're going to, you've got two choices. You go, all right, we'll stick 4-4-2 and we'll be really positive and have a go at it. And you end up getting beaten. Oh, why are you so positive? Why, why did you go like that? You should have, you know, you're never going to defend, be able to, you know, outscore Liverpool. But fans you know, would rather see that, wouldn't they? I mean, I, I would, would as they, a fan. I'd, I'd rather see, see yeah, I mean, but, we have one shot on target in the 91st minute. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're not going to get anything, are you? Yeah, but the other option is okay. You go right where we park the bus and we lose, and people people go well. We should have had we should have gone for it. Mm. The truth is, Mark Hughes. We're talking about the very very fragile confidence and mentality of the players, and no matter what anybody says publicly, that is clearly an issue. There is there's absolutely no way that is not the the root of you know the the problems in terms of just you know on the pitch ninety minutes. Um, for the guys that are playing, I mean, we can argue all you want about whether they're, they're good enough quality or not. But I mean, in terms of seeing out games, you know, the Brighton thing, or what, that that is obviously uh, the problem. Do you, as the manager, if you recognise that, do you go to Liverpool knowing they're going to play a team like that they put out and expose them to potentially getting absolutely caned? Or do you try and, and go, and this sounds like it lacks ambition, but do you try and go with a knowing that you're almost certainly going to get beat, but giving yourself probably the likelihood that you're not going to get humiliated and have your confidence utterly 
torn to shreds mm. um and the outside chance that you never know something good may happen i i don't blame mark hughes for doing what he did i, re- I really don't i think he was totally damned if you do and damned if you don't and i would say in fairness to him had i been him i would have done exactly the same without ings i would have gone four five one and stuck romeo in as well personally mm. but, and, and just hoped for the best and if uh, at worst have got away like they did with with a defeat but not shattered confidence, at least able to turn around on Monday morning at Staplewood and say to the players, hey, we, we play one of the best teams in the world at the moment to, this weekend. Yes, we lost, but it wasn't horrific. And, you know, just forget about it. Everybody's going to lose at Anfield this season pretty much. So let's let's just move on. Uh, had they lost 6-7-8-0 or something like that, that would just not be possible to do. It would have shattered the players. So I think he... He, he made, I think, the only decision he had open to him. I know a lot of people disagree, but personally, I, I, I think he did the right thing. It just feels like a, I don't know about you, Steve, but I, I totally understand what you're saying, Adam, and I think, again, appreciate that that view. I think you certainly don't want to see them get beat 7 or 8 nil, and I, I can rest assured to, to everyone listening that none of us predicted that score, but it just feels like a game written off. You might as well not turn up, Steve. Um, Yeah, which is why I didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> problem is that the way the league has gone in recent, well, I mean, I, I guess you could say it's been like that for probably 20 or 30 years. Certainly it's been, it's more acute and more noticeable in, in the last two or three. The, the top clubs are so far and away better and more resourced than everybody else that you are just going to these, these away games effectively. Well, I mean, as the words that, that us and Hughes have already used, um, uh, this weekend in a, in a damage limitation strategy. And there surely comes a time when the Premier League product um, in sort of horrible inverted commas becomes affected by that, because as much as people enjoy watching um, Liverpool and Man City when they're in full flow. I prefer Man rest- City. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> but there comes a point when them just running up a cricket score against some hapless sort of pseudo championship opposition becomes pretty tedious mm. just finally Adam on the Liverpool game because I can't really be asked to talk about Liverpool longer than we need to um, your interview that you did with Hughes in the Echo um, he obviously mentioned about still competing with the top six in games how important is it bearing in mind what you said then that he maybe thinks look let's forget about the top six let's focus on trying to beat and win the actual games and size around us bearing in mind we seem to struggle with that at the moment well, that's the most important thing. Uh, Saints' success or otherwise this season is going to be defined by those games. And as Steve said, the reality of the Premier League now, you can either love it or you hate it. But the reality is you've got six teams who, unless one of them is going for a little bit of a, you know, a lean spell for whatever reason, are going to win almost every game that they play against the other 14. And then... The six of them will play off against each other for where they finish between first and six. That's the reality of it. Um, the, the majority of the time, then you've got basically the other 14 scrapping to finish between seventh and bottom. And so for those teams, it's pretty obvious that whether, you know, that the, their success is not going to be dictated by their results against the top six is going to be dictated by the results against all the others. And that's, that's just the reality of the Premier League. I understand when fans say to me, oh, I much preferred it in the championship because you turn up and you see more even games of football and you never know for any 
week what the result's going to be because it's it's a more even league and and you see more wins and I understand that I mean it's not you don't if you're one of the fans of the other 14 I mean what is the it's it's hardly the dream of sport is it to go we pretty much know that unless there's some miraculous one in 30 40 seasons that we're going to be at best finishing seventh but more likely seeing our team win eight games in an entire year <laughs> or, mm. or, or in that kind of mold. It's not it's not exactly the stuff dreams are made of, but this is just the reality of the Premier League and the way and the way it is now. And Saints are not obviously a top six club and they are in with everybody else scrapping away, trying to do the best they can. And, and if they're going to do well this season, it's going to be picking up more points against all those other 14. Indeed. It's not. It's not really going to be the other games. I don't think. No, fair enough. All right. Well, let's end with a positive. Make sure we're adhering to that feedback once again. If you had to pick one player that sort of came out of it with some respectability yesterday, Adam, who would it be? Oh, I think it would be um, the Saints, oh, obviously. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I think it would be a bit of a toss-up between. Um, I thought Cedric, having been fairly critical of Cedric, yeah. I mean, he, he did have a tough time occasionally when Shakiri was bearing down on him. But then, uh, yeah, well, okay, you can excuse players. When, when you've got a great player playing against you, struggling a little bit. But I thought he was getting forward well yesterday. And Nathan Redmond, again, that seems to be my positive every week, is Nathan Redmond. Yeah. I think he's he's doing great. And, and he was really good again against Liverpool. He showed good discipline, good energy. He, he broke forward well. He was by far the most lively Saints player in attack. So... Again, kudos to him. He's having a. It's been difficult for him, but he's having a good season. Total Saints podcast. Total Saints podcast with Ben Stanfield, Adam Leach, and Steve Grant. Sponsored by happyhottubs.co.uk Saints away in the Premier League again next weekend at Wolverhampton Wanderers, who have themselves made an impressive start to life back in the Premier League, already drawing against both Manchester sides this season. As we mentioned earlier, Steve, another tough away day looking uh, at it for Saints on paper. Yeah, I mean, we don't tend to make it easy for ourselves home or away, so every game is a problem at the moment. Um, And ultimately, it's one of those where it's going to be a case of ride out an early storm and sort of then see if we can kind of impose the way we want to play on the game a little bit. I think they're, they're a very technical side um, from what I've seen with um, uh, Ruben Neves and Jao Moutinho in the, in the centre of midfield who are I mean, far too good for, for a side that's newly promoted out of the mm. championship. Mm. Um, obviously their rather convenient um, connection with uh, George, George Mendes, Mendes is, yeah. um, is uh, doing them the world of good, and they're—I mean—they're not going to be in any any remote danger of going down. Uh. Um, but yeah, I mean that's, that's the—it's the sort of game where we've got to—we've got to pick something up from. Yeah, they've looked good. Yeah, I mean they've—they've looked—they've looked decent, but at the same time they don't look all that in front of goal, which I've obviously jinxed, and we're going to get spanked four 0 now. But <laughs> um, when they played Burnley last week, I think they had something like thirty odd uh, goal attempts. Mm. Joe Hart was was man the match, but a lot of the chances they just they never look like scoring them. Mm. They look like they've got similar problems in front of goal that, that we've had in the last eighteen months or so. But of course they've got the um, they've got that little bit of momentum from just from winning games. 
they've managed to grind out some points home to Man City and obviously at Old Trafford yesterday. Mm. Beat a dreadful Burnley side one nil. And that smash and grab win at um, at West Ham as well, and all of a sudden that's that's given them a bit of bit of a boost and a bit of, bit more belief. Yeah. Because um, if, if they don't get the breakthrough against Burnley, um, then all of a sudden nil nil at home to Burnley when they've been dreadful all season, all of a sudden look they're thinking oh actually maybe we're not as good as we think we are, mm. which obviously puts our result on the opening opening weekend in a um, in a little bit of context as well. Yeah. But I, I suppose just um, just before I go to Adam Steve, I guess that probably assumes that Wolves are going to turn up thinking they can turn us over, therefore they may come out a little bit more naive than maybe they should do. Again, I guess it depends, but you'd hope that they might come out and think this will be easy Southampton are struggling, and that could fall foul of that, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, complacency is always sort of just around the corner for any team that thinks they've cracked it, if you like, and there's, there's a possibility that that Wolves might do that. I think, I think realistically, players at that level are, are too professional to really get um, get caught out by that these days. But it, do, it does still happen. I wish ours did. Yeah. Um, there we go. But uh, I was just going to ask Adam about Nuno Santo. Um, he's obviously proven himself to be quite a character in English football so far. Clearly wears his heart on his sleeve, and you know looks to have a well-organised team, giving him a hundred percent every week. So you know, certainly getting the most out of them. Yeah, and credit to them, like you guys have just said. I mean, there's some. There's an interesting model that they've chosen to go down to to get themselves to where they are now, but it has worked for them, hasn't it, ultimately? And uh, they're mid-table in in the Premier League very early days, but that's a pretty good result from where they were a few years ago, sort of lingering around in in the Championship for so long. And he's sort of front and centre of it all, isn't it? He is like the big front man of, of the entire operation these days mm. uh, there's a lot of focus on him and that's that's the way his kind of premier league's gone as well is that there's so much focus on the managers nowadays i mean it's much more than than ever it was even sort of 15 years ago the manager's always been important of course the manager's always been been vital but in terms of that real intense focus that real intense media focus and things like that it is the manager these 20 guys that that are really really at the forefront of, of everything for their football clubs. And from what I can see in terms of his personality provides a leadership and sort of sets a template that his team then kind of goes out and plays in his style. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of them, but they seem very exciting. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing them actually next weekend. I think it will be a really interesting uh, match and a difficult one for Saints. But from a Saints point of view, an important match, I think, because um, we, we spoke about it at the last pod before the break and, and the Brighton game. And I was sort of saying how important I thought the Brighton game was because then that run in the league of uh, Liverpool away, Wolves away, Chelsea at home, you, you, if you didn't beat Brighton, you'd be staring down the barrel of five, maybe six, maybe seven. Best case scenario, maybe you get eight points from eight games and, and at that point you know from, well we, we probably let's be honest with Wolves away and Chelsea at home uh, we probably take eight points going into the next international break now but yeah. if it's if it's less than that you, you're going in at less than a, a point per match and, and you've only played one of the top six uh, two of the top six sorry uh, in the eight you're looking like you, you're going to have to put together a real good run somewhere to kind of make sure you're not in that area just above the relegation zone all season, sort of constantly with half an eye over your shoulder. 
And we, we spoke, didn't we, before as well about the potential Carabao Cup fixture this week. So obviously that got moved a week back due to the various fixtures going up on uh, Merseyside. So now Saints have got a full week, really, to focus and try and get themselves ready for that game. Yeah, I think that's probably an advantage for them. Um, Wolves obviously have got to play midweek, albeit that they're, they're at home to Leicester. So I assume it'll be Wolves B versus Leicester B. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it won't impact Wolves too much because they haven't got to travel, et cetera, et cetera. So, and they're more than capable of, they've also got a deep squad and they're more than capable of on the training ground, having enough staff to sort of look after two teams, as it were, and prep for two games um, simultaneously, I'm sure. So I don't suppose it will affect them too much, really. But for Saints, with, with the travel... It would have affected them. Now, obviously, I think we all expect that Hughes will prioritise the league. And so when they go to Everton, he'll take, you know, he'll probably leave the, the regular league team. They, they won't even go. They'll just mm. remain at home training at Staplewood. And again, there's plenty of staff there. But the very fact that Hughes and, and his staff will have to go away for a couple of days and, and be away obviously affects the preparations for the, for the other guys who remain who are going to play in the league games. So... So that that's one. But the only good thing is at least that, that that week they have Chelsea on the Sunday as opposed to the Saturday. So it gives them just that little bit of extra breathing space when they come back to, to prep for that game. So I think all in all, from Saints' point of view, it's probably quite a good thing that that Everton game ended up being the week that, that it was rather than the week it should have been. And fingers crossed as well, Adam, Alunisi, Ings, Gabardini should all be available. So it does give Saints a little bit more, well, certainly a lot more firepower in the uh, sort of attacking third than they had up at Liverpool. Assuming that nothing uh, untoward happens, I Fingers think we crossed, can pretty yeah. much uh, pen Ings' name back into the starting lineup next week. I think Saints will go back to the kind of 4-4-2 and, and, and the team that have that Hughes had picked three games in a row before Liverpool, where obviously Ings was unavailable and... and he decided to do something different. Um, I think they'll go back to that, um, and rightly so as well. I mean, if Elianusi is available, obviously, which I, I think he's expected to be, it was a late dropout. Um, uh, it didn't sound like it was anything uh, desperately serious, but enough to to keep him there. And yeah, I mean, Gabbiadini, well, <laughs> I don't think he'll play, but <laughs> nonetheless, I suppose it's handy to have him around. Um, mm. He may or may not get on the bench. So yeah, I think, Saints will go there more or less at full strength. I mean, it's early days yet, but one or two little niggling injuries. But so far, so good in terms of not having any serious injuries. So this is this is good news, and long may it continue from their point of view. Indeed. And Steve, we've spoken a, a lot, you know, through preseason. Hughes was playing five at the back. That went within an hour. Probably our standout player of preseason, I thought, was Stuart Armstrong, who's not really featured much the last two or three games for one reason or another. Hughes has obviously been trying to find something that works. I know he came on at Liverpool, but it's sort of absence from the, the, the fixtures or not? Yeah, it's been weird because yeah. he started the season and played, what, the first hour or so against Burnley. Yep. Um, and was quietly impressive, I thought. And like everything that was said after the game in terms of the, the injury that he had was it's just a knock, nothing serious. And he'll be back next week. And, mm. um, and yet he's kind of vanished off the face of the earth until we obviously came on for a bit yesterday yeah and it's yes it's very strange i could only assume that like in training it's he's not quite been up to speed maybe Mm. but i mean obviously we've we've got no idea what goes on training ground behind closed doors other than the sort of prified uh videos that the club put out yeah yeah one of which was him scoring a goal this week in training yeah (laughs) yeah it it, it just seems really strange Mm. that you kind of start the season 
well, with him as a uh, key asset to the side. And then I guess it's similar to the formation that we binned off after an hour and a bit. But there's a lot of stuff that, that we're doing these days that just doesn't seem to follow any logical pattern. Mm. And just finally on Wolves, then before we do our predictions, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I guess my personal view would be Yoshida, Steve. Um, Hoyt's been taking a, a lot of bashing from fans. I mean, he looked very flat-footed and lacking a bit of confidence in the Liverpool game. And again, you know, hasn't necessarily stepped up to speed too much this season. Would Would you look to bring Yoshida in at Wolves, or do you think um, definitely? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I would as well. I think just in terms of experience, and if we're going to stick with zonal marking, but who would you? I mean, I imagine Hoyt would be the natural dropout, really. Yes, I think so. He's struggled pretty much all season and most of last season. Um, I don't really understand how he continues to justify his place in the side when Yoshida obviously has suffered largely on the on the basis that he came back late for pre-season because of the World Cup but as our senior centre-half given that there is a a very obvious lack of leadership and organisation yeah I don't understand how he's how Yoshida's not getting games ahead of who at the moment what about you Adam just finally would you bring him in bearing in mind the soft goals and the, the lack of learning from our mistakes we're making uh, difficult call I think difficult call I mean he has struggled a little bit there's no doubt about it but then uh, Vestergaard has struggled a bit as well uh, now he's he's obviously the one that is is the one to stay there I think it's whoever partners him is is the question I think the difficulty is from Hughes's point of view he has to look at two things. He has to look at, one, the form of the player, but two, the disruption of changing. Um, I think he wants to understandably try and get these partnerships sort of down the spine of the team and to give them a, a while to work. For that reason, I wonder if he'll just stick stick with it for a little bit and just see if this partnership is going to work. Oh, I might be wrong, but I just think that they need some stability and some continuity and, and really down the spine of the team is the key area. He's hit upon the Lamina Hoiberg, he's hit upon the Longings and Longings. Um <laughs> and uh the centre half pairing um as well. He's he's obviously showing a bit of faith in and a bit of patience in. I wonder if he will feel it's worth just giving that a little bit longer before you change it rather than sort of changing it, you know, after a few games, really, when when they've sort of only just settled into this way of playing. So um, I, I think he'll probably stick with it. And I kind of understand why the, the reasoning behind that. Fair enough. OK, well, my opinion would certainly be to bring Yoshida's experience in. And I think give uh, Hoyt a, a bit of a breather. But uh, look, moving on to predictions. Um, Unlike fantasy football, um, predictions is going much better for me now. So it was a good week for me because I correctly predicted that it would be a draw at home to Brighton. I've, I, I remember you calling me the Mark Lawrence of predictions. He had Brighton Saints to finish 1-1 as I did. He also had Saints Liverpool uh, to be 3-0 to Liverpool as I did, Adam. So I'm definitely turning into the uh, Total Saints pod Mark Lawrence and if I wasn't already. But uh, you guys um, obviously both picked up a point for correctly predicting that Liverpool would win. I got three points because uh, Steve actually took 4-0, which is what I was going to take. But uh, I, I went with 3-0 in the end even though I thought it would be a lot more than that. I, I couldn't bear myself uh, bringing it. So I picked up three points, Ed. So the, the table now is uh, myself on six points, Adam on five. And Steve, you're out there a little bit behind now on two. I think we need a, a few oh, more points. Steve. Po- yeah, I know. Yeah. Dra- Dragon, is, he's, he's put all his attention on fantasy football where he's flying in that, Ed. So uh, I guess you can't well, win everything. The, yeah, but that's not the game that we're focusing on this year, is it? <laughs> you keep, changing, <laughs> we both know you keep changing your mind. Yeah, exactly. So uh, there we go. Right, we'll start with you then, Adam. What do you reckon the uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers versus Southampton score will be? 
Well, I'm just going to try and, and go for something a little bit positive to a certain extent. I'm going to go for a draw. I, I agree with Steve. I just wonder, you know, Wolves, they, they've been good, but it's not always been emphatic. Um, so I think that there is something there potentially for Saints. And I, I, I think that they will realise the importance of it uh, after Liverpool and with Chelsea to come as well. So I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Uh, that's a Ben Stanfield special, that's isn't right, it? Yeah. No, that's right, that's right. a home game, isn't it? One-all you go for. Pretty normally. much, yeah. I'm, yeah. Certainly not, I'm certainly not crazy enough to go for a draw away from home. So, uh, Steve, what about <laughs> you? Um, it could go any way, couldn't it? It's, it's one of those where if we rock up and they tear into us early and we just collapse and, and I mean it could be a complete embarrassment but but I'm going to try and be positive um, Ings back in the side helps just gives us that outlet and let's face it I mean Wolves at the back are nothing special we should create chances and if we create them for the right people i.e. Ings and not long then yeah I don't see why we can't get something uh, decent out of it so I'll go for well I mean let's face it we're not going to keep a clean sheet are we so let's go for <sighs> let's go for an entertaining 3-2 win <laughs> <laughs> just for shits and giggles wow. I know there's a reason you're bottom of our table Steve I reckon yeah. with predictions like that so uh, no, that's fair enough approach. <laughs> I know I, see I do get this negative perception but uh, you know the table doesn't lie does it I, th- I think it's always uh, head over heart so uh, I've gone for Wolves to win 1-0 unsurprisingly oh, no, no one will be surprise. surprised what what look at the table Adam <laughs> look at the table Thanks for listening to Total Saints Podcast. Despite Saints being largely disappointing again, I hope you've enjoyed uh, our view on things. We do try, as I say, to be positive, and it is uh, easier said than done. My thanks, as always, to Adam and Steve. We'll be back next week to reflect on Wolves, look ahead to another trip to Merseyside in the Carabao Cup, and also discuss Saints in the USA. Until then, keep marching in. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.